Hey there, it's Rob Carbone. You're listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees analysis than by tuning into this podcast right here, right now. Let's go. And that is it, fellas. We are done with the regular season. That's it. So now, well, now the New York Yankees will enter the only real season. The one true season. The postseason. It's upon us, folks. How we doing tonight? Rob Carbone, BD4, episode 32. The final episode of the regular season. But, oh, I will be back throughout the postseason each and every series at the very least. Um, Yeah, so it didn't end exactly the way we wanted it to, right? Yanks, horrible, horrible month of September, really. And they really just got worse um, as they progressed down the stretch of this month. But, you know what? I'm going to put that aside for now. We're going to rant on that maybe a little bit later. But I kind of just want to get right into this, right? Because, well, first off, it's 1230 midnight, so I'm trying to go to bed here. But... No, because also I just want to, you know, I want to talk about this season, man. And I want I want to talk about how well, you know, they played. Uh, you know, we got to give credit, man. They, You know, like I said, they had a shitty ending. But Jesus Christ, all the injuries, everything that happened, 103-59 and 59 with a division title, first since 2012. We got to appreciate that first and foremost, right? And an excellent, a spectacular regular season here for the Yankees. And what a ride it was so far. You know, what a ride it's been so far. But we have to appreciate it so far. It means nothing, absolutely nothing without a ring. Now, I think everybody should know that. That's how the Bronx works. You know, there's nothing nothing that matters in the regular season um, if you're eliminated early in the big, bad, cold month of October. But for now, I want to start off by opening up. And uh, let's review this, this year, man. Let's review the Yankees and how they got to where they were. So all these injuries, right? All these injuries kept affecting them here earlier in the season, April, Oh, man, it was annoying in April, right? April was annoying. May got to be a little bit, you know, ridiculous. Then June came, and they kept falling and kept falling. By the time July came around, I had no words to to express what was going on here. I mean, it was insane. It was insanity, but that wasn't even the word because I felt like it was insane in May. (laughs) I had no words. As the season progressed, I was running out of words to describe how ridiculously annoying it was. Um to keep getting hurt, and all these players kept dropping like dimes. Severino, we didn't play a whole season without him, pretty much. Same with Giancarlo Stanton. Same with Miguel Andujar. Uh, Sanchez, a couple DL trips. Um, We can keep going up and down the order, up and down the entire roster. It's ridiculous how many wins they still mustered up despite all of these big injuries. Not just injuries, but big injuries to big-time players. 103-59, and a division title, and now we're headed to the first round. Because of all this... Because of one thing, one thing, team effort. Folks, listen to this. I did a little research. Only four players this season, only four players on the Yankees finished up with 130 games. Just four. Only seven finished up with a measly 100 games. (laughs) No player had 40 home runs. Yet, the team as a whole slugged 305. When you look at all those things, that just tells you one thing. Team effort. It was a total team effort this season, folks. No matter what happened, 
The Yankees had guys uh, from one to nine, you know, one, two, three, four, five, one to nine hitting the ball this season. It was a total team effort. And that kind of leads me to, you know, I'm going to start talking about here what I loved about this team all season. And I talked about it so much throughout the year, but I'm going to bring it up again here because I think it's so true. You know, it's been a team effort because up and down the order, guys are chipping in. And when you do that, you're going to be a high average hitting team, right? Remember the Yankees last year? They weren't really a high average hitting team. Sure, they got on base because they hit homers and walked. But outside of that, we didn't get much. Outside of the homers and walks, we got strikeouts, a ton of strikeouts. But this season, folks, compared to the rest of the league, the Yankees were dead smack in the middle in the strikeout. So they were dead average with a strikeout. So they put the bat to the ball, and because of that, they also hit for average, right? Last year, they were, I think they hit under 250. This year, just under 270, fourth in the entire league. Uh, last year, they were terrible with runners in scoring position. Uh, this year, not so terrible, man. Last year, they were under 250. This year, with runners in scoring position, they're just under 300. They were first in the league in that category. So, you know, you put the bat to the ball, and you have this team effort thing with everybody chipping in. You're going to get these kind of, you know, these, these kind of wins. You're going to scratch out the wins that you didn't scratch out last year. And that's what they're doing this year, man. It's not just a home run and walk and striking out, but it's the home run, it's the walk, but now you've added in the single. You know, you've added in the double, the triple. You've added in all types of hits. And when you do that stuff, you're going to be a much more consistent offense. And that's why I'm proud of them this year for, for you know, for doing something that I really, didn't, I really did not think they would do. You know, and I kind of laugh at it because I was such an arrogant piece of shit in the offseason when the Yankees... You know, this whole Machado-Harper thing. Machado-Harper, Machado-Harper. You know, it was all going on. I was begging that they would get at least one of those guys, preferably uh, Machado, because I wanted them to become that high-contact, high-average hitting team, right? They didn't get either. I pissed myself. I was pissed off. Um, But they ended up getting an under-the-radar signing in DJ LeMayhew. And that guy, man, that guy single-handedly transformed this offense. I, went, I don't want to say single-handedly, but... Because, you know, we have guys like Gio Urshela have been just as great. But he, he was the main reason that this offense transformed from this one-dimensional home run or die lineup to this, you know, multi-dimensional, versatile, dynamic, nine-headed monster who could con- who can combine contact and power. You know, we really haven't seen an offense like this since, I'm going to say it, 2009. And really, every, every single World Series Yankees team has been a team that could hit for average and power. You know, that's every team that every Yankees team that's won the World Series has been that type of team. And really, over the last couple of years in baseball, those same types of winning too. The Astros uh, two years ago and the Red Sox last year. Same types who combine power with average. So it's, it's so much nicer to be able to do both as opposed to just one like they did last year. And so that's what I love about it, man. The, the team effort was here uh, top to bottom of the order. Everyone just chipping in. The bench... The benchman, Cameron Mabin, Gio Urshela was looked at as a bench player. Hell, even the Mayhew was supposed to come off the bench this year before Troy Tulowitzki, you know, retired. <laughs> you got guys like Romine producing. Everybody is producing. And that's that's what makes um, the offense, at least, so special. That's why I love this offense. And they, they've just done it all year, man. And I know they've had a terrible, terrible month of September. Again, we'll get to that. But all in all, man, you've got to give the offense credit for just kicking ass. On the pitching side of things, yeah, they've had their inconsistencies, but again, you look up and they've held their own, man. Herman played a big role before the whole thing went down with the uh, the uh, accusations or whatever, uh, but he, he played a big part in this team, man. I don't care if you hate him, I don't care if you love him, but you have to give him credit as a player. He won 18 ball games for this team as a starting pitcher. Um, 
did his thing, pitched some huge gems in the first half of the year. Second half, he started to get some... Well, no, it wasn't really the first half, second half split with him. It was more just like he had a couple implosions, right? And most of those implosions came on the road. But all in all, no, her mom was ex- uh, excellent. James Paxton, inconsistent start. You know, the first half, first half plus of his Yankee career was very up and down. Didn't really have any rhythm. Couldn't string together quality starts. Couldn't really uh, mix in any dominant starts here and there. He had that one dominant start in Boston, but that was about it, right? We didn't really see much from him um, during the first three, four months. But come August, come September, oh man, the guy turned into the ace that we traded for, right? So got to give Brian Cashman credit there. Got to give him credit there for that trade. Um, 10-0 run, you know, before he went down and got hurt um, in his last outing, he hurt his ass cheek. (laughs) Before that happened, before the butt cheek game, he was on a 10-0 run with an ERA. I think it was like near 250 during the span since August 2nd. So he's been, he has been great down the stretch. Um, even Jay Happ starting to find something, you know, who knows what his role is going to be in October. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the playoffs in a bit, but he started to find something down the stretch, but all in all, man, a great year, 103 and 59, a six, a 64% winning clip when you round it off. That's a great year. So because of that, we're going to go over the, uh, the report card. I'm going to have a report card article out tomorrow, grading every single player on this roster. Um, But for those of you listening to BD4 right now, let's get to it. Got the early access. Uh, So we're going to go go from F to A+. So the New York Yankees will start out as a whole. The Yankees, I mean, I gave them an A. We just talked about why, right? I didn't give them an A+, because I believe A+, belongs to one team and one team only, which is the team with the best record. In this case, it would be the Astros, but A is just fine. <laughs> um, so let's start from the catching position. We had Gary Sanchez and Austin Romine catch this year. Kyle Higashioka, I didn't grade him because he only played about 18 games or so, but Sanchez, I gave a B, a, flat, a solid B. Um, yeah, I think he had a nice, a strong bounce back. Um, obviously, I... I consider um, staying healthy a skill, and Sanchez didn't stay healthy once again. He was on the DL twice. Um, so that kind of took a little bit away from his grade, and what also took away from his grade was you know the the inability to do much else other than hitting a home run at the plate. Now, I'm not saying he's a negative impact player. Before you Sanchez, you know, uh, infatuators come at me. I'm not saying Sanchez was bad. I'm just saying he was more of a one-dimensional hitter than I thought he would eventually become. When he first came up into the league, I remember he was this guy who could not only hit homers, but he'll take the single the other way. He'll hit into the gap. You know, he would be a hitter for average, and he'd take his walks. This year, he he wasn't really exactly a hundred percent back to that because he's he hit the home runs, but he didn't double, he didn't single, he obviously didn't triple, um, and uh, he didn't really take his walks. He he chased a lot, but still, I gave him a B, right? So I'm not gonna knock the guy. I gave him a B because he had 34 friggin' home runs in what 103 games or something like that. That's ridiculous. I mean, that power is insane. You can't deny Sanchez's power. This For a catcher, man, this guy is going to break records as long as he stays, stays healthy. He's going to break power records. He's got 30... How do you hit 34 home runs without playing? Well, you missed like 40-something games. That's insane. So I gave him a B. And his defense, it's uh, it's definitely improved. You haven't heard anything from me this year about his defense. And last year, I was one of his biggest critics after he was so lazy and sloppy behind the plate. But this year, it looked like he cleaned it up a little bit, man. He could move side to side. You know, we didn't get the pass ball issues. Uh, the arm, a little wild at times with the arm, but he was strong, man. He could throw runners out with ease. Um, now, his, his, 
is uh, caught stealing percentage wasn't great because you know a lot of Yankee pitchers are very slow to the plate. You know, you look at guys like Tanaka, even guys like Adovino, guys out of the pen. There's a lot of Yankee pitchers who weren't slow to the plate, so it didn't really make his um, arm statistics look look great. But I'm not a really big stats guy when it comes to defense, anyways. You just have to look at it with the eye, and Sanchez was much improved behind the plate and at the plate. So a B for Sanchez. Moving on to um to Austin Romine. I think he had a great season. Now, before you get at me, I gave him an A minus, but before you jump on me for giving him a higher grade than Sanchez, let me explain. I'm not saying he had a better year than Sanchez. I am simply grading these players. I'm evaluating these players based off of individual expectations. So Romine gets an A minus because for a backup catcher, he played at an A minus caliber. You understand? He was an A minus player for a backup catcher. So he was he was spectacular and he was, man. How many backup catchers in baseball? I actually have to look this up because I I real I'm really um I'm curious to know this. How many backup catchers in baseball can hit over 280 with an OPS like in the mid 700s? That's impressive, man. A backup catcher who gets sporadic playing time. You know, catchers aren't supposed to hit in general. Forget starting catcher. A backup catcher, dude. He's a backup catcher and he hit 280 with an OPS on the 740s or something like that. He had a great year. And he's a fine defensive player. He's not Sanchez behind there with the arm. You know, he kind of has a noodle of an arm, but he, he, he you know, he's he's clean. He, he cleans it up behind there. He, he does the job. And that's what he did this year, man. He overperformed. The last two seasons, his bat has been so good. He's coming through with clutch hits. You know, he'll slap one the other way with a man on third or something like that, and he'll get the running. He's a good run producer because of that stuff. So a very strong season for Austin Romine and Gary Sanchez. Going to first base. I actually gave Luke Voigt, Edwin Encarnacion, and Mike Ford all a B. A solid B, a straight B, because, you know, I thought they they had strong years, right? But there were some inconsistencies with each of them. Uh, with Voigt, obviously, he hasn't been the same since the injury, man. Uh, since that London series when he hurt himself, really hasn't had the same power. He's still gotten on base, and that's the reason I gave him a B, because he's gotten on base all year long, but the power has kind of dropped off. He ended with 21 homers, but most of that was, you know, before the injury. Um, as for Edwin Encarnacion, but still a good season from Voigt. As for Encarnacion, I gave him a B as well. I think he was very solid. Got off to an extremely slow start with the bat. You know, couldn't really do much. Hitting the buck something for a while. But he got hot, and he pretty much stayed hot. The only thing that stopped him was, again, the injury. Um, just like pretty much every other Yankee on this team, Edwin Encarnacion got hurt for an extended period a couple of times. And um, so that kind of took a little bit away from his grade. But when he was out there, he was two things. He was an on-base threat and he was a professional run producer, right? This guy got big hits and he, he did nothing but drive in runs. Big RBI guy. Um, and as for Mike Ford, he also got off to a little bit of a slow start once getting the call up uh, earlier in the year. But... Yeah, towards the end of the season, man, he got hot, and he, you know he was this on base present. He has an excellent eye, kind of reminds me of Joey Votto. Um, no, I'm not saying he is, um, but he he yeah he had great on base. He's a great on base guy, and he brought some power, man. He has pop in the bat. He was one of the final Yankees to rack up ten plus homers. I think he ended with twelve homers and. 40-something games, which is very impressive. So his power, his lefty pop off the bench could be something in the postseason. Maybe he even gets a start. Who knows? You know, there's been rumbling. There's been little, uh, some rumors now with Voigt struggling and 
maybe even if Encarnacion is not ready by then, that Ford could, you know, make a make a make a run and maybe uh, get onto this roster here in October on Friday. But yeah, Ford, Voigt, Encarnacion, all Bs. So moving on to the rest of the infield. Uh, I mean, obviously you have to give DJ LeMahieu an A plus, right? I kind of mentioned it already, but what this guy has done for the Yankees offensively, he single-handedly transformed them from a one-dimensional lineup to a, a dynamic lineup who can not only hit for power, but now average. He's brought that with them, and his defense, man, how how big is that alone? The He's so invaluable there because this is a guy who can not only play great defense, but he plays it at three different positions. He played great third base when they asked him to. Great second base, which is his natural position. And he even learned first base this season. They did a very solid job over there. I mean, what would we do without him playing first base? Because of all the injuries over there, you know, we have asked him to play there a lot. And he's done such a great job. So, so huge, man. It's so, so huge in that aspect alone. But then you even add in his bat, and it's just, oh, the team MVP by far. And some could make a case for the league MVP. But I'm not even going to get there because <laughs> I know that pisses some trout people off. But... Great, great, great season. A plus for DJ. Glaber Torres. I gave him an A minus, and he had another really, really good year. Uh, the guy is elite. This kid is, you know, I, I've been hyping this guy up ever since the Yankees acquired him from Chicago's minor league system. I knew he was legit the second they got him that day, man. I knew it. I told everybody, watch out for this Glaber Torres kid. He will be the face of the franchise in the future, and I still think he is the true face of the franchise. 22 years old. He stays healthy too all year, pretty much. And um, he did his thing, man. The one thing that shocked me, and I think it shocked everybody, was the 38 home runs. I know we're in a juiced ball era, but still, this is a guy I thought would hit 15, 20, top 25 home runs, tops. Like, he hit 38. He was chasing 40 for the majority of the year. He's 22 years old. (laughs) But aside from that, man, and not only the power, that's the thing. He's not even considered a power hitter. This is a guy who finished the year just under 280. The OPS was, you know, not too far under 900. It was like 870s. And um, and he was great at the plate. Clutch, mid-contact, uh, at a moderate rate. He didn't strike out too much. Sometimes he could fall into a little bit of a habit of trying to chase. But that's what young kids do. Um, in the field, um, in the field and on the base paths, he loses focus there at times as well. It's kind of annoying. He's very inconsistent out in the field. Um, I like how he can play both short and second. That's cool. It's great. Another, you know, huge advantage um, on a team with such, um, you know, such a, a lot of injuries. But he's very inconsistent out there. It feels like he isn't always focused out there. And he's, he's kind of, I don't know. I feel like he could be so much better with the tools he has. But still, I give him an A- minus because he's been so great for this team. Gio Urshela. Also an A minus. Um, you know, when he filled in earlier in the year, I was all I was asking him to do was play great defense, hit two forty, give me an OPS somewhere around seven hundred. <laughs> this guy hit three fifteen or something like that. I'm not even looking at the stats, but you know, I'm pretty sure I'm coming close. But he hit three, around three fifteen, twenty one homers, seventy something RBIs. He made contact. I call him the mini DJ LeMayhew because he did the exact same thing. He was a contact hitter, came through in the clutch because he was a high average guy a high batting average player, and defensively, man, what an improvement from from Miguel Andujar's disaster over there. I mean, I'm a big Miggy guy. I love Miggy. I really hope the Yankees can keep him around. If they're not going to trade him, they better use him. 
But no, it was a big improvement having Urshela over Andujar. Um, Urshela's gold glove caliber out there and Andujar was whatever the opposite of gold glove is. So it was so, so huge to have such a drastic improvement at the hot corner this year. So A- minus for Gio Urshela despite slumping um, pretty hardly to end the season. D.D. Gregorius, Tyler Wade, Thyro Estrada, all C+. Um, Wade and Estrada, you know, role players. They had their good moments, had some bad, but pretty much, you know, made a decent impact. But as for Gregorius and, uh, yeah, as for Gregorius, I gave him a C+. Man, it was a disappointing year for D.D. You know, he didn't really ever get into a rhythm up there at the plate. Kind of looked lost at times. Um, he didn't walk much, and when you when you don't walk much, you rely on your bat to get on base and he hit 238 so therefore the on base was in the 270s and so he was really rarely getting on base for this team the only thing he really did was produce runs and you know hit some clutch grand slams and that was good but it wasn't enough because he he wasn't great he was okay in the field too he kind of regressed at shortstop it didn't look as great as he, he didn't look as great as he usually is but yeah all in all it was the c plus season from gregorius some could Argue and say he played at a C level, but yeah, somewhere around there, I gave him a C plus for the benefit of the doubt. Moving on to the outfield, Brett Gardner, Aaron Judge, um, I gave them both a B plus. Gardner because the guy's seventy seven years old, um, he stayed out in the field every single day despite everybody going down with ridiculous, absurd, silly little injuries. Some legit, but most of them silly. Gardner stayed out there and played every single day. You know, um, probably refused to be rested when the Yankees wanted to give him rest. And he was great, man. Just as elite as he's ever been in center field, can play left field when they ask him to. Um, and he had a great bat. Twenty-eight home runs was a career high. The OPS was a career high. He had seven triples. He was so good. He had a career high offensive season. You could argue that. And, um, yeah, where would they be without him? Honestly, he was so great. Um, so B plus Aaron judge. I gave him a B plus because again, the injuries kind of got in the way. Otherwise I probably would have given, given him an A minus, but B plus because he only played a hundred and something games in low one hundreds, like 104 or something like that. But when he was on the field, he was pretty productive, man. And he only got better as the year progressed. Um, yeah, he ended the month on a very, very hot hot streak. You know, he was kind of hitting, becoming this big strikeout slap hitter for a little bit there. But, you know, over the last month and a half, maybe two months, he found his rhythm and he started pulling the ball, pushing the ball, hitting the ball up the middle. And because of that, the homers came back and he started getting the numbers up. And he finished up the year with 27 homers and OPS like in the 920s. So he was very, very... Great, and you know another season, um, another productive season from Judge, where he got on base, hit for power, and played excellent right field defense, which is an underrated part of his game still because of the speed, glove, and arm. So B plus for Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, obviously didn't give him a grade because he didn't play for most of the year. Um, his time out there, you know, to end the year, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, he had some. Piss poor at bats, some ugly strikeouts, uh, specifically in the in the Rays game against Morton and uh, their bullpen. But outside of that, I thought he put together he put together a lot of great at bats. 
Now, take it with a grain of salt because none of that came against quality pitching. And the only game, the only the, the only games that where he struggled were against quality pitching. So you got to take this with a grain of salt and realize it might still not be pretty in the postseason. Um, does he continue to chase that low and away slider? But you know, it was a good season, a good a good end of the season there for Stanton for a little bit. But yeah, no grade. Cameron Mabin gave him an A minus. Man, he was spectacular for this team. I don't think he gets enough respect. I really don't. Um, you know, came in halfway through the year, garbage, uh, garbage bin pickup from Cashman. That's what I quoted it. I think I wrote an article. I said like Cashman dumpster dives again, <laughs> and he he eventually becomes one of my favorite players to watch this year, simply because he does one of the things that a lot of Yankees have been doing this year, which is slap the ball the other way in a big spot. You know, Cameron Mabin, I give him an A minus because of that alone. He's been able to hit the ball at a high clip, hit 285 this year. And he also hit for power, man. The OPS was in the mid-800s. So, Mabin's been great. Defense was fine, too. He brought some speed on the base paths. So, I love Mabin's impact. And I think I think he's going to have a big October. So, look out for Cameron Mabin in October. I think um, if he makes the roster, which he should, um, and I think he will, if he makes that roster, he's going to have a huge impact, a positive impact on this Yankee team here in the postseason. Clint Frazier, I give Clint a B minus. You know, when he came up earlier in the year, that was where he peaked. He was excellent, spectacular. Then they sent him down, didn't really give him the respect to call him up when he should have been. And it wasn't really the same since. Um, Bat kind of regressed in some areas, but I think the bat's legit. I just think Clint's a guy who needs to be getting everyday playing time at this point. And it's clear that the Yankees don't want to do that. He's better off elsewhere. But all in all, a strong offensive season from Clint. B minus also because the defense was not good. So that took a little bit away from his grade. But it was a solid year for Clint. B minus. Mike Talkman sucks that he got hurt and he's done for the year because the guy was really having himself an elite season. He did hit a little bit of a slump um, for a couple of weeks before the injury happened. But that night, I believe he hit two hits and one was a home run. So he was getting hot again. I gave him an A minus because he plays again another another Yankee with outstanding defense. Um, him and Judge led the uh, American League in in DRS with 16 defensive runs saved. I don't know if you're big on that. I like that stat sometimes. Sometimes I don't. It depends. It it's kind of an inconsistent stat, but in this case, I actually believe it with Talkman and Judge because those guys are as elite as they come out there. So Talkman was great at at the uh, in left field. And um, at the plate, he was a good lefty bat, man. He, was, he brought some power, produced some runs, and he had some big games for them. Aaron Hicks, I give a C plus. Don't really want to talk about him because I don't care. <laughs> um, and let's get to the pitching. James Paxton. I give Paxton a B, you know, because he struggled. We kind of talked about him already, but he struggled to start the season. Got hot the final two months. And, you know, when you can come up down the stretch, you know, that has more weight than and the other month does. So he, he was great for August and September. Um, <clears throat> gave him a B because he stepped up. Masahiro Tanaka, C+. Plus. Um, I do like that he gave the Yankees a lot of innings. He was a workhorse out there. He led the team with 182 innings, I want to say. So he gave them innings. He ate innings. But outside of that, it was really more the same for Tanaka as far as the regular season goes. You know, he was... Up and down, up and down. You know, had some outings where he looked 
ex- uh, spectacular with you know some eight inning one run gems or some complete games in there. But then he had his outings where he give up six, seven runs, and it's like, what the hell's going on? That's Tanaka, though. That's who he is. So you just gotta hope he steps it up on uh, in the postseason. Um, Sabathia and Hap, I both, I gave them both D pluses. They weren't really great at all. I know Hap got hot down the stretch. I don't want to say hot, but he, he started pitching better down the stretch. But all in all, he was pretty shit for this team. Um, same with Sabathia. I'm sorry. I love the guy. I know you do too. All the fame talent, um, but D plus man. He not only did he get hurt all the time, but he couldn't even give you more than three, four innings down the stretch. It was kind of hard and sad watching him pitch actually um, as the season progressed. So D plus for him and Hap. Domingo Herman again sucks what happened to him, but I gave him a B minus. Um, Adam Adovino onto the bullpen. Adam Adovino, Tommy Canley. I gave them both a B plus. Adovino uh, was so great for the Yankees in the first half. Then started to struggle. Started walking a shit ton of people. But all in all, you got to give him a B plus, man. They had, the guy had an ERA in the 190s. Canely, the ERA may not look as great, 367, but that's because he kind of fell apart big time um, in his last couple of outings. Wasn't as great down the stretch, but he was the Yankees' best reliever for a big for a long period of time. And that's kind of why I gave him the B-plus, man, because numbers can be deceiving. Canely was great. He was striking out batters again. He had that differential between his changeup and fastball speed this year. That was kind of a big reason why he struggled last year. But he had the pitch, He had his pitches back, and he was back on track and really became one of their better pitchers this year. Um, their best pitchers out of the pen this year uh, went to Zach Britton and Aroldis Chapman. Gave them both A-minuses. Britton can piss me off. He can piss you off. You know, he nibbles. He walks so many people because of it. He always gets traffic on the bases. But he always also seems to get that one ground ball double play to get himself out of the inning. And that's what he does. He throws that singer ball. He gets outs. And in 2019, you want a pitcher like Britton who can keep the ball at, um, in the ballpark, on the ground, in the infield. So, A-minus for sure. Same with Chapman, man. He, he drives you crazy with the, you know, he can be wild and with the walks and all that. But he eventually gets the job done, 37 saves, and he only blew about five. That's not terrible. Chad Green, I gave a C plus. Terrible early on. Came back, pitched well, but was still a bit inconsistent. Um, the opener role was cool for a while, but then he started to falter. I gave him a C plus. Um, Luis Sessa, C minus. Better year, still shit. Holder, <laughs> F. Cortez, he was cute for a little bit. You know, had a cute little rhyme with these little. You know, he did that stupid. Um, Quick pitch thing. He had these little balk moves that he liked to do. It was cool. It was a fun little story for a little bit. But then he just started to suck. <laughs> D plus. And that's that. That's pretty much the entire report card for, you know, all the players on the Yankees roster. So, yeah. All in all, man. An excellent season for the Yankees. But it means absolutely nothing without a championship ring on their fingers in the end. So that brings me to this. Who are the X-Factors for this team in the playoffs? It's so hard to pick one X-Factor because you've got a team, like I said, who had so many people contribute this season. So I'm going to go ahead and just list a couple of guys from pitching, from the pitching staff and a couple of guys from the lineup. Um, I've kind of hinted to uh, hinted it to you during this podcast, so you'll probably, you could probably guess who I'm going to pick, but 
um, X factors in in the uh, in the rotation. You can go either Paxton, Sevi, or Tanaka. As for Paxton, you want him to stay hot, and just in case Sevi's not the same, and just in case Tanaka's postseason resume, um, just just in case Tanaka's you know five five game sample size of postseason success doesn't necessarily continue and translate into 2019. You need Paxson to be their ace, so he he needs to stay hot here and provide another ace. You know, if Sevi and Tanaka don't pitch well, he's the X factor to me. And you know, you can make a case for Severino being the X factor. You know, because you need him to to be finally be dominant again and become that ace. Because you won't really, you haven't really seen it from him so far in the playoffs. He's had some good starts, some okay starts, and like two really really bad starts. So. You want to see him finally live up to that ace status that he has um, and pitch well in the postseason. So a lot of pressure is going to be on him. He's got to put that, um, put the pass behind him and, and really start living up to your name. If you want to be called an ace, pitch like an ace. Come through when it matters. And yeah, make a case for Tanaka if you want. But I think my X factor from the pitching side of things is definitely James Paxton. Offensively, I've got two. Uh, two X factors: DJ LeMahieu, Gio Urshela. Um, I pretty much said that as well already. Um, just because they single-handedly transformed this lineup into a regular season lineup, from a regular season lineup into a postseason caliber lineup, right? Because they're not just home run or nothing now, but they're home run, walk, single, double, triple. Now they could do everything offensively because of those two. They they brought in the ability to hit for average to this team. They keep the line moving, and their defense. The Gold Glove caliber, each of them. Um, I do have one X-Factor off the bench. And I, again, I talked about this, I uh, hinted at this before. But the not-so-obvious X-Factor, Cameron Maben. Like I said, this guy's going to have a big postseason. I'm really feeling it. I think a guy like Maben, undershadowed already as it is. Is it undershadowed? Overshadowed? Overshadowed already as it is. Um, but I think he's going to have a big a big playoff. Um, it'll be interesting, too. If the Yankees get past, I hate playing this game because I, I don't like jinxing shit. But if the Yankees and Astros both get past the first round and meet each other in the CS, Maben's going to be going up against his former team. That's going to be fun. But I can just see him getting a big hit in uh, Minute Maid Park or something like that. But got to take on the Twins first. But uh, I, I do think he's going to have a big first and second round and hopefully third. <laughs> but Maben's Max Factor off the bench. Uh, Mayhew. And Urshela in the lineup and Paxton in the rotation. All right. So what else do we got? Yeah, this this first round is going to be interesting, man, because the Minnesota Twins are very much, very much like the Yankees. They're two equal teams, really, because they both hit for power. They both make contact and hit for average. And they're both, you know, good hitting teams with runners in scoring position because of those things. And they both also have so-so pitching. So they're very evenly matched. It's going to be a series where I honestly can't predict who the winner of this series is going to be. Um, I think it's going to go five, though. I definitely think it's going to be all five games that are going to be uh, played here. The good thing for the Yankees is they do have home field advantage, uh, at least for the first round here. So if it does go five, they'll be playing game five at home. But let's hope we can just get them out of the way and sweep them because I'm just so nervous, man. I'm nervous as hell for this postseason. And I wouldn't be if uh, we were going into the postseason on a hot streak. But we're not. We're friggin' not. Why? Because our manager or whoever the hell it is, our analytical tunnel nerds, whoever it is deciding to excessively rest these players 
heading into October to a fact where there's it's going to impact the team on the field and you know give no life in the clubhouse and just just completely take the air out of them. That's going to that bothers me, man. I really don't think you had to rest them as much as you did. And I get it. I get it, man. I understand that you don't want to get players hurt. But isn't it ironic how the team who rests their players probably the most in the entire league broke a record for most DL stints in a season? Is that not is that not ironic to you? Jesus Christ. Fungul. Like what the hell? Perhaps thinking about, you know, perhaps maybe you should think about Putting your players on the field, letting them get, letting their bodies get comfortable with adjusting to playing every single day and having some type of rhythm out there, having a flow, getting used to being out there every day. You know, 155 games used to be a norm for an everyday player. You look up and down this this Yankee roster, like I said, they had four guys play over 130, and 130 is nothing. That's crazy. That's considered a full season now. So maybe if you, you know, I would have done September differently, man. I wouldn't have done it with excessive rest and uh, stupid little bullpen experiments. I would have kept it how it was. Yeah, I would have given them their rest here and there. But I just think it was a little too much here with, with what Aaron Boone did. Listen, I think the guy's going to win the manager of the year, and I think he should. I think he deserves it. But to sit here and tell me that what he did in September wasn't too much, no, I can't agree with you there. I think it was way too much. I did not like what he did. Um, I and I think that's I'm a big believer in momentum. Some teams have a killer instinct where they could just flip a switch in October, but I'm not. I don't know, man. I'm not so sure the Yankees are this team with a killer instinct. You know, I don't think they have this ability to to slam their foot. You know, to keep their foot on the pedal. We just saw it, right? They they struggled to finish off teams like like friggin' Texas, like uh, Toronto, like Detroit. Like Tampa, they the entire month of September, they played some really shitty teams. From September on, they played a bunch of mediocre fringe contenders or teams well below 500, and they finished the year 13 and 11 during their final whatever games. That's because they decided to rest their players. That's on Boone. And the players that were on the field, it looked like they mailed it in too. So you got to give them blame too. Because Glaber Torres, Luke Voigt, and a bunch of these guys we're just putting together putrid at bats, especially in this final week of the year. These final two series against the Rays and the Rangers, there were some awful at bats. They were going down on three strikes, swinging, chasing. They weren't even. They weren't putting together great abs. They weren't stringing together hits. It was awful to watch, and so this whole resting affected everybody. I just think it was too much. You know, it killed the rhythm of this team they had going. And I, th- I don't know how much it's going to impact them in the postseason. I understand some people think they could just flip that switch, but I'm not. I'm not completely sold. The Yankees have a switch, man. I don't. I don't think they have a, a switch. Their manager doesn't have a killer instinct, and the players in the field didn't look like they wanted it either. They mailed it in. But we're just going to have to pray and hope that they do have this instinct where they could just flip the switch and and dominate um, the postseason here, starting with the Twins. But no, I, I think pressure is definitely on Boone because of that. Pressure is definitely on him because of his decision to to ridiculously excessively rest his players, and but also pressure is on Brian Cashman, right? 
because this offseason, he really didn't improve the staff much besides getting Paxton, right? You you re-signed 55-year-old Sabathia, who, who pitched on one knee the entire season. You re-signed 36-year-old Jay Happ, who was really never good, never that great in his career. You know, he's a journeyman on the decline, so what do you expect? Um, and then, you you know, it was outside of that, it was Tanaka, and Severino got hurt. And with that, you went out and did nothing at the deadline. Right, you didn't do a single thing. Even even shills like Jack Curry and Bob Lorenz on the pregame yes show were telling you all season the Yankees are going to get a pitcher. Right, they were even saying that shit, <laughs> and they got nobody. And I'm still pissed about that. And ever since that day, I lost my full confidence in this team. I'm sorry, I want to rephrase that. I lost my. I'm not as confident as I was in this team. Ever since that day, I've I've kind of come come to conclusion that they're not going to be winners in the postseason. I've kind of, I don't know. I just don't have that extra feel that I did. I don't have that special feeling that I, that I thought I had in the, you know, in the first half post uh, pre deadline. So pressures on Cashman for not making any, any big moves to get pitching and pressures on boom because of this whole rest thing. But tell you what, if the Yankees do get it done uh, and they magically win a world series this year, Boy, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be sucking up to these two because they deserve the credit if if it does happen. Um, I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm sure I'll be getting these uh, old retweets from some millennial random millennials on Twitter <laughs> because I've said some pretty uh pretty harsh shit to these two all year. <laughs> but yeah, no, if the Yankees um yeah they they just gotta go out there and win, man. And the pressure's on them too. The pressure's on the entire unit because you know the narrative right now is. Oh, the Yankees always beat the Twins, right? Uh, so if they beat them, it'll be no big deal. But if they lose, man, there goes that narrative, right? So the Twins have no pressure on them. Twins are coming into this series kind of as underdogs to most. But I don't know. Don't don't underestimate them because, as I've said, they've got just as great an offense. And their pitching like ours isn't that great either. We do have the edge in, in the bullpen. But it's trust me, it's going to be a series that goes five, folks. Um it's definitely not going to be anything easy. I have no predictions. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't like making predictions anymore. I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let it play out. I have no friggin' clue. Not this year, folks. Just going to let this first round play out, and uh, hopefully we get the best, huh? So, yeah, I think that's that. We're coming up on 45 minutes. Um, guys, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate you, all of you. Whoever listened to the end, all two of you, all one of you, <laughs> Whoever listened to the end, no, really, I want to I wanna thank you for that because I do this just for fun. I don't do this for followers. I don't do this for, you know, for clout, whatever you want to say. I just like making podcasts. I just like writing blogs, and I like talking Yanks with you people, man. It's fun. This is my this is my team. They're my heart, and it's going to be like this forever, I hope, because I, I've only become more and more a Yankees fan as I've grown. And so let's go out there this, this October and let's kick some fucking ass, man. You know, let's win a goddamn world series. I, uh, I made a bet with my family and friends when I turned 21 that I would not have my first sip of alcohol until the Yankees win the world series. And that bet still stands. So let's get kicking Yanks. Let's get rocking here and let's, let's turn me into an alcoholic, huh? <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, I appreciate all the support, and I'll see you tomorrow because I'm going to have a couple articles out tomorrow on the Yankees this season. Thanks so much, guys. All right. Ciao.